Hey there, this is Ed Tannant, and you're listening to Erratic Control. This week's podcast is with Anya Savage, who is a musician from, well, around the country, really, because I don't think you can really pin her down in one place. I think she's mainly based in London and Winchester, but she uh, came to Cardiff University and has also grown up in Paris and kind of just travelled around a bit. So it's kind of really hard to place her in a specific place, but I met her in Cardiff and that's how we know each other. We had pretty lengthy conversation. I think this is now the second longest podcast I've done. So kind of strap in for that. Uh, it's not quite as long as the one I did with Fran, which was two parts, but this is I think it's an hour and 40 or something. I don't know. But yeah, I hope you enjoy it. And also we recorded a song after the interview called Riptide. And Anya talks about the song within the podcast at some point. Um, also, as a kind of trigger warning to anyone listening, uh, we do discuss uh, quite a lot about mental health and suicide and kind of addiction as well, pretty briefly. So just be aware of that. And besides that, I hope you enjoy this interview with Anya Savage. The other thing is, uh, I was so keen to book all of these. And I was like, right, it's fine, fine. So I've got a book. I had kind of gave everyone dates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, so it's my birthday today. Oh, happy birthday! <laughs> so, so I was just like, you sure you don't want to be here? Oh, I feel like if it's your birthday. Now, yeah, no, I have feel a like I pressured you. you as that wasn't <laughs> prefacing it by going, well, it's my birthday, so you have to drink with me. <laughs> like, like, I had all these dates, and I was like, oh, yeah, I can do one on my birthday, that's fine. And I was like, oh, oh that's no. Fine. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done anything else today, so. <laughs> Oh, wow. I feel honoured to be able to share your birthday with you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So, yeah, so I think I should start off by saying that. That's uh, 26. So, I don't know. That's not really a significant age, is it? No, but I, yeah, I didn't realise you were were that old. Not that old. (laughs) That came out wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That makes it sound like, yeah, that makes it sound like being 26 is ancient, which I feel... It's not ancient, but I I thought you were younger is the only thing. I think think that's, that is advantageous because people, well, it's not, because what I experience a lot of the time now is people being really ageist towards me because they think I'm really young. Well, I I mean, I am really young Mm. compared to a lot of people. And I think that that happens quite a lot. Because people just go, oh, you're really young and naive. And I'm like, no, I've been doing this for quite a while. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. And I think a lot of like a lot of musicians seem really like much younger than they are. I don't yeah, know if that's really... Yeah, I suffer from baby face too. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So people are like, I'm sure people can think you're, I don't know, like, I don't know, what's, what do people, do you still get like ID'd and stuff? Um, yeah, although hopefully, like, I have actually lost my ID. <laughs> Um, I don't know how, and I've somehow managed without it, so it, I can't get, yeah. I, or maybe I just don't, I should buy more alcohol at age. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you get, you get past uni and you'd like, I, well, I felt, I felt like even in halfway through my first year, uni that I didn't want to drink as much as I, like everyone else was, but then again, mm. I have met people much older than me that still drink, but maybe that's just from living in Wales, so. Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me that you've. <laughs> not because it's that you're that kind of person but the moving about so much must you must lose things easily um, i don't know if that's yeah true. no it, it is and it was because i was living i had my place in london mm. but also i'd go back to my mum's a lot and my grandparents have been unwell so 
I was always like between two homes yeah. all the time. And like also my dad lives in Paris, so I'm kind of like I don't visit him that much. So mm. it's not really that much of a third home really. But it's just like I'm always sta- I, always staying with friends. So like I never really have one place where all my stuff is. My stuff mm. is like mixed everywhere, like just all over the place. Yeah, so I can... <laughs> Uh, I don't know how I don't lose things because I hear about people losing their phones and losing keys and losing like wallets and stuff all the time. My, I've never lost my phone. I've never lost keys. Since, I think the last time I lost my keys was I was like thirteen. Yeah, I've never lost like wallets and stuff. But like, I don't, I don't know how lo- I'm that lucky. <laughs> I really do as well, though. It's only recently mm. that it started getting worse. I've been like, I've never been this person. What's happening? <laughs> I think it's. I think. Yeah, you're you're one of two types of people, and I think musicians are fine. That I think they can lose all the stuff they need to because, yeah. like, that's like they have people to look after them. It's like, um, <laughs> so. But when you're like, a, when you look do stuff, look after me. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so when you do when you do stuff like I do, when you're kind of in charge of, of people or kind of like managing their their kind of their worlds, yeah, you can't be able you can't lose things like because yeah. um yeah like last time i i remember one of the things i did recently was um we went to this festival in here Wai and we realized we didn't need to take two cars so i was like oh okay this uh so joel can drive who plays keyboards in the band i mean so i could get drunk at this show and then i just like lost like loads of cables because <laughs> i was just oh, so no. wasted i just like just didn't take them back with me and i was like oh that's what happens when like yep. doing that kind of <laughs> but, yeah yep <laughs> Yep, yep. So I was like, no one else to blame except myself for that. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. festival was like the week before Boomtown. So I had to rush order a new set of cables. And I was like, oh, no. Okay. But like, it's lesson learned now. It's like, pack up your stuff and then get drunk. Yeah. Don't get drunk beforehand. Yeah. I mean, it was a fun show because like, <laughs> Mixing mixing sounds when you're drunk is really fun. Do you not find that when you're you're drunk, you've got like... Well, not that drunk, but the beginnings of being drunk, you've got like that internal, like all my leads kind of thing. Because even if I have like, I don't usually drink before I play anyway, but like sometimes if I like have had a drink straight after, I'm still like in the zone of like packing everything mm. away. Like I'm um, kind of drunkenly on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I am. I am usually drunkenly on it. I'm actually like, <laughs> I always manage to get myself home. Like, yeah. most of the time. Yeah, sometimes I haven't. But, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I seem to be really... And if if someone... I'm always... I've never... It's, like, really, really rare where I've been so drunk that I can't help other people. So mm. if someone else is, like, having an issue, I will be, I'll look after them, get them home and stuff. Like, it doesn't matter how drunk I am. But yeah, there have been occasions where that's that's been me. But that's not... No, I'm fine. I'm better. <laughs> I'm a better person now. I've got to be I'm 26. <laughs> <laughs> So, I yeah, I asked you to do this because I saw that you were doing a tour. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll ask you. Because I saw there were Cardiff dates. Mm. And then, so I was like, oh, but that'll be in December when you're here in December. But then you were like, oh, I'm here next week, which was <laughs> nice. And I was like, okay, cool, let's, let's do that then. So, um, so you're doing a singing course. Yeah, at the Royal Welsh. Yeah, and that was just... Because, but you, you did, so you didn't study at Royal Welsh, you studied no. in Cardiff. University. I studied architecture, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a bit of a, but it's, <laughs> no, I know, I no, it's, it's fine. It's because like, I think actually 
you kind of yeah you do learn a lot at uni if you do something in uni that you're you want to you end up doing or you kind of passionate about but i think uh with mu- music if you study too much into it you can kind of overanalyze music mm. so i quite like hearing from people who aren't so eloquent in music but it's it's fine it's it's, oh, fi- no, it's easy training's doing the opposite yeah no but, it's, no, but, but i think <laughs> it doesn't mean i don't i don't enjoy like people who are incredibly like incredibly well uh well versed in music because um mm. people i've interviewed before like um two uh two people i've interviewed before is uh maddie jones who's from cardiff mm. who did um a course in the royal welsh like really kind of heavy classical music course oh, wow. and then um this guy called mike dennis who's a classically trained violinist but they both make well mike dennis makes hip-hop music and maddie jones makes rock music so it's like having that understanding of music and then going into it like that's great as well but then the kind of the raw kind of side of music where it's you don't know anything about music mm. is also really interesting because they're like when you self-teach yourself like you kind of pick up all these like bad habits and stuff that are mm. actually kind of interesting yeah they become your like idiosyncrasies yeah and i think like that's often what like i think when i first started playing guitar I would always like tune to different tunings and because I was like, well, I know how to play a chord in standard tuning, but I don't want to know that. I want to just come at it and it comes straight from kind of what Mm -hmm. I hear and what I want to. You can get really interesting music that's really musically intricate and then you can get really interesting music that doesn't have any musical knowledge behind it. Mm. I think both are as valuable as each other. Yeah, they're both kind of like a different kind of exploration. And actually, like, the first song I ever wrote, my brother was studying music, and he was like, I don't understand, like, these chords that you put together are not supposed to go together. Yeah, precisely. And it was like, well, it was kind of this intuitive, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, nature. So if you, like, write three chords in a song like a lot of the time then you get to the fourth one and it's already kind of if you're musically inclined then you know that that it should be this fourth chord Mm. but really interesting music comes from when you subvert that and do a different thing yeah um so i i kind of find that really interesting like Mm. that kind of like captures your ear a lot more so i think that ends up being like quite interesting to listen to but then i think musicians who are aware of that can do that as well mm, like yeah they, they definitely can go all right that's that's what people expect to hear mm. and so i'll change it for that yeah i guess it it becomes familiar like and like i lived with a band called the king's parade and what one of them was teaching me all this music theory and and it's so interesting because then once you've got all those shapes like this was on on bass um mm. And once you've got all of that, um, like it just becomes like patterns and then, you know, like and although that's so much easier, like mm. and help like was such a huge help. Um, it's it, like it is also then like in some ways it limits you to like those habits and mm. those things that are familiar and that you enjoy um, doing. It's thinking outside the box, isn't it? Mm. It's like if you can break free of those those habits and stuff then it's it's interesting but what what you Mm. were talking about before we got here was the fact that this course is now teaching (laughs) you to break habits you've already had and this is the proper way to sing so yeah which 
I think probably works in the same way because like your idea of singing comes from all these things you've already done but now you're kind of changing it so definitely yeah but it's also like it's teaching you why how like it's really scientific and what your um like how you're making the sound and why stuff isn't working and why these like myths that you've been told about singing like actually don't like make it worse like like you're always told that you need more breath or whatever Mm. and actually that constricts stuff and that's what leads to a lot of like bad uh, vocal health Mm. um and a lot of singers like kind of like I think even Adele's had like an operation on her throat talking about Kizzy earlier and she said Mm. that yeah yesterday that she said oh it's like it goes to show that the voice is like an instrument like everything else you gotta look Mm. after it and I was like yep that's that's true and like you can you can hear it in singers that have, have it's so easy for when you when you go on tour to get sick because mm. you're kind of pushing your yourself every night and um and it can kind of really affect your voice and if it affects your voice then it's kind of <laughs> game over then mm. you know there's these myths that come around singing like so what i've heard is like yeah like you said uh, earlier that you shouldn't drink or <laughs> uh but i've i've heard like various things about how to like improve your voice like like, I think milk and chocolate is bad for it, or is that? I have heard that as well. I don't. That's not been covered in my course yeah, yet. I don't know how true. It, like it covers a vocal cords or something, and I'm like, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. But there's. I the... eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> well, why not? Like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and there's obviously things like um, smoking and stuff that can affect mm. you, but that affects everything. So it's like it's not surprising. Yeah, but... that we did get told briefly was like because of the. It coats, um, what's the muscle in your throat? Um, it's, what was it? I can see the diagram. It's like this <laughs> spongy thing, then a layer of skin, and then this, this, um, what's that? A tendon? No, not tendon. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Boring technical yeah, thing yeah. that doesn't need to well, be. Well, I mean, what, no, it's fine. When I did, um, when I did uh, live sound, I had to learn all about the inner ear and how all that works. And now I've got that knowledge for the rest of my life, and it's like mm. makes me really paranoid about my ears all the time. I'm really neurotic about my ears. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. And hearing and yeah. like sound. Like I really like um, even just on the tube in London, like there's tube screeching yeah i'll be like ah, yeah i hate like, it that's why i always have to have headphones in on the tube because i can't mm. and like what well, i feel really bad when i'm when i'm going to london with my friends because i was like no i got it i can't i can't because it's so yeah. loud and horrible like and yeah it's kind of it's really important to our jobs mm. like so key yeah and it's like if you if your hearing is damaged like i've i've read recently about people like having to learn to like work around their hearing like their bad hearing i'm like well just protect it in the first place Mm. like i've always had like a thing about my ears and like it's yeah it's so important and people who don't wear earplugs to gigs are just it's really it's really bad yeah Yeah, i get problems with my ears all the time and it's i think it's like it's the same thing as getting problems with your voice it's like if you if you don't look after yourself your ears are gonna get bad and like Mm. especially if you use them so much so yeah uh yeah so that's what you're doing in cardiff um mm. but like i said you're going to come back in december as part of your tour uh yeah. and i do have a show on sunday in colwinston which is a little village outside cardiff all right cool. it's at these beekeepers place oh, nice <laughs> that sounds nice mm, that's lovely yeah because you just did a show in center for alternative technology yeah that i 
I love that place. I, w- I would love that place if I've ever been, but like I, I really kind of want to go and it's kind of one of those things that I always looked at and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And like, yeah. I always wanted to kind of get there, but I never never have. And... I actually heard about it because I did my part one in architecture at Cardiff mm. University and then had a really traumatic time getting through that course. And it was, it was horrible (laughs) and then I met um this architect out in Sierra Leone (laughs) who was studying at the Center for Alternative Technology so through like that link ended up staying with her throughout the course and it was just like as soon as I arrived it was like this whole new way of thinking about architecture just kind of opened up for me and would felt really kind of yeah special because it's 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 there in the name, isn't it? It's the place where you, kind of, <laughs> uh, where, well, I don't know if, if that, it's it's basically thinking beyond the typical way we construct things and and, uh, and power things and stuff. And it was kind of, it was something I read about before even the whole, the global warming thing was an, was a, was an issue and it was mm. kind of made me aware of, of those kind of things. Um, yeah, and it's it's quite it's quite a cool thing that you you ended up going back there and doing a show. Yeah, like... I I sorry I played a festival there earlier on in the summer as well called Small is Beautiful. That's a lovely festival, and it's all part. You have like loads of different things that you can do. So one of them was like clay plastering, which was so much fun. And then like just uh, it was clay plastering during the day and then singing <laughs> later in the evening. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love those kind of those, the festivals where it's not just about the music. Like, yeah. Because I think I spotted that you were at Boomtown last year. I was, yeah. yeah and I performed <clears throat> there on the Sunday morning. I've been to Boomtown a couple of times, but it's always been... The last, the first two years I went, it was really brief. Uh, first year I was there on a Saturday during the day, and then the second year was Thursday during the night. And you don't get to see as much if you're there like for a very mm. short amount of time and boomtown is kind of i think it started as like quite an alternative festival and now it's become more mainstream mm. but it's still kind of got that that feeling of of exploration in it and like um and i ended up being in the kind of the the top part of it which i think is where you performed was mm, the, um, yeah i've got i've got what that area is, is it called whistler's green yeah that's it yeah so that's kind of like the more relaxed part of boomtown yeah. which is really nice and i was like oh <laughs> why like this is what festivals are like supposed to be like like really relaxed and stuff whereas the <laughs> bottom half of the town is crazy yeah and like just like there to be very hedonistic and stuff which is fine and like but then when you wake up the next morning you're like i don't want to do that right now i want to <laughs> yeah. go up here and it's so lush and like i ended up like having a massage and stuff and all these things and i was like oh that's cool and i was kind of thought i was like thinking of like the fact that you played there last year and i was like yeah that, that seems about right like <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people are like, "What you played Boomtown? Like, yeah, that's yeah. not the style of music that Boomtown <laughs> is." And but it's it's the, that's the thing about Boomtown is it's so diverse. It's yeah, like, um, yeah, people kind of ca- can categorize it as that that whole like, which like it is. Yeah, to, in a lot of ways, it is so intense, and it's but then it's so be- like beautifully curated. I think in the like old town and like the all the different little villages like what they do so well is that you lose your you forget that you're you're there's no like fencing of like 
um, in like you know most festivals that you see all these gates or like a big main stage with like gates you yeah. don't get that you and don't there's like, there's no like infrastructure it's like yeah. it's all created to be like a, exactly yeah. like a place rather than like a site on a field somewhere yeah. it's like it's 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 that's the whole point of it it's, it's a town and it's, it's like yeah like a land that... I think it's it's still really underrated in that respect I Definitely, think it's kind of yeah. um got this stigma attached to it now because of all the like new stories around it and yeah. like it's like it's, it's sad because it is an amazing kind of experience to kind of lose yourself in mm. in the right way yeah. although there's the other way as well which is, <laughs> is fine if you want to do that but I I found myself being bored of that that on the first night being like much more into the the whistler screen and that kind yeah of thing. but I think that what's special about that festival is that you can lose yourself because it's so well like um set up like that you can lose yourself you don't need like booze or drugs to yeah to do that it's like it's, yeah especially because like i had to drive back on the sunday so obviously i couldn't take anything or drink anything not like i would take anything parents um <laughs> but um and i was just like well i've got to experience it in a way that's that is losing yourself without that mm. kind of element of it and it's and it does work and that's yeah it makes it's a testament to that festival where it's like think other things like that i don't know is there other festivals that you've been to that are because you you do tend to go to quite a lot of festivals a lot of festivals yeah i also i work with spinny hollow and we do um we teach um people like the skill of like traditional craftsmanship by sculpting like swords or wands uh and staffs out of wood see that sounds like something that child ed would really enjoy <laughs> oh, like i would have loved to do I that i mean like, i think adult eds would still yeah i love it yeah again reminding me i'm 26 and like <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah no I, I could i could still get into it i'm sure i'm sure <laughs> yeah i think i think people definitely do it's like unlocking this yeah i can't quite place my finger on why it's so special but it's it's yeah it's like a skill and community and also I think something that's kind of like what you mentioned about Whistler's Green that area in Boomtown like it's like having your head down and like just concentrating like focusing your attention on one thing mm-hmm. that's like so key that like it is this like generally at festivals hedonistic thing where you're like yeah, kind you're of racing around or, like, another, yeah. trying your hardest to like have fun or like yeah. I don't know like yeah make the most out of it whereas actually like that attention is something that kind of is so lacking from our culture like we're so overstimulated by so much stuff mm-hmm. that it's so hard to focus your attention like you're so easily distracted our brains are not used to tra- like being trained in that way and weirdly that's kind of what the whole tour was about like the reason okay. I called it behind the screens um is because so it kind of stemmed out this idea that um um I was gonna release a music video for one of the songs on my last EP. Um my last EP, I mean my only EP <laughs> at the moment. Um, <laughs> um and uh I was just like I'm gonna release it and people are gonna watch it on their individual screens mm. on their own. And that kind of seemed so alienating to me. Um, and also it's like there's really like 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 things like Instagram or like social or Facebook like social media paints this picture that people want to see of you like mm-hmm. and so 
the idea behind the tour was, um, which it's kind of slightly had to adapt because I've not quite, everything's not quite, I've been doing too much. I haven't yeah. been able to <laughs> bring it all together, but it is still the idea. And hopefully as the tour progresses, it'll grow into this, um, is that I will be screening the music video and then that brings people together to watch it in one space. And then you can have a discussion about that. And the, the song is actually, um, it's, earthquakes is the name of the track mm -hmm. which is a track i really like oh. i think it kind of it came up on shuffle because what ends up happening with me is like i take in so much music and have it there but i don't have the time to listen to it anymore which is really kind mm. of sad like i do listen to it obviously but it's like in a in bite-sized ways and like um i don't get to sit down and listen to records like some people get to do um, mm. I mean, I, I can try, but it doesn't doesn't really work out. But it's it's one of those. So I I kind of I bought the EP and then um, it came up on shuffle. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, and then it came on shuffle. I was like, I really like this. What is this? And I looked. I was like, Great, this is great. And like I was listening to it again earlier, and I was like, I really really like that song. So yeah, um, I don't know. It's kind of it's hard to describe why I like that song because it doesn't sound like anything. Well, it I mean, it's got elements of stuff like um, daughter and things like um, things kind of similar to that. But it's uh, and this band that I used to really be into called Drive the River. Um, but it's kind of that kind of feeling you get when you listen to it. It's like, oh, I'm really into this. Like, and it's not something you can just have on in the background. You you engage with it. And I, I feel like I'm gushing now, but it, no, no, that that genuinely, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And when I saw, when I kind of read a bit about the tour and saw that that was that was what the music video was for, I was like, great, because I'd like to see the visual representation mm. of that now. So, um, without giving too much away, what what <laughs> is the music video like? So, I've been working, well, like collaborating with filmmaker Shabon Cox. We had so many ideas for it, and it was um, a lot of it kind of stemmed from um, looking at. Uh, Andy Goldsworthy and the work that he does he's like a um, nature sculpture sculpt, sculptor yeah <laughs> I it's keep fine. trying like, to say I, I feel bad that I've, I've got I've got you in after you said it was quite an intense course and like <laughs> yeah, I my don't brain's so there's a disclaimer that you're you kind of can't can't string a sentence <laughs> together because of that so. <laughs> <laughs> so he's this nature sculptor yeah he does this amazing work and something that really stuck with me was this video he did where he like so in the river there's all these stones like red pigmented stones that he crushes up into a powder and then adds a bit of water and creates it into like a little like like kind of like a bath bomb thing okay. and then chucks it in the stream as and so you see this footage of the stream running clear and then it suddenly goes red and then it runs clear again and I guess in some ways it's kind of like the movement of the song. Like it's, yeah. it's, yeah. And so we wanted that kind of like drama in the choruses um, and, and even like recording it. So Mike Fawn recorded it for me and he was so great to work with. It was like, I don't think like, and, and also like the way that you've made me feel really comfortable is like speaking in front of a mic. I really struggle with that. So it's, mm. Really lovely working with sound engineers that make me feel really at ease. So thank you. That's okay. <laughs> um, so with the with the movement of the song and the way it was recorded, um, so I guess that kind of putting a song together, I guess that you wrote on your own with a guitar, mm. and then having that go from quite like a quiet start to um, 
to this like triumphant chorus mm. and that, that that yeah like you said like the drama and kind of representing that through a music video you can kind of come up with that you connecting those dots seems like a really kind of clever way of doing it like um yeah having the drama like with within a within a within a song it makes me think of um or like <clears throat> almost like directly link it's the the new lord album's called melodrama and that that's very dramatic and her lyrics in it are very dramatic and it's it's kind of like about a relationship that breaks down and it's it seems so over the top but that's because you feel like that at the mm. time when you're going through something like that and everything is that dramatic mm. yeah and and actually the song i wrote was because studying architecture i ended up um getting psychosis and i was really mentally unwell and that song is all about rebuilding myself up mm. from that point of like just like really hitting rock bottom and then kind of kind of building yourself up from that but it's still feeling really kind of like uncertain and and kind of scary and I think that is that like sheer kind of movement in the chorus is like that kind of and and something that we do in the music video which the reason there are horses in it which I hope doesn't give too much away (laughs) (laughs) is kind of like it's like the horse is often used as like a metaphor for the relationship that you have between your mind and your body and Mm. how your mind just kind of like is this wild horse and Mm. like you don't have control over it and nobody's taught how to like drive their brains like and yet we're all (laughs) kind of no that that makes total sense and like that whole um feeling you get about horses that they're it's uncertain and like even like uh like broken in horses are kind of still like prone to something dramatic ha- happening and um mm. and the kind of the title as well relates to that because you know earthquakes are so uncertain mm. and you never know when when one's going to happen and it's unpredictable and like you know it's kind of and, i love that analogy <laughs> but it's yeah but it's like and it's um yeah it's like and then it can come back at any point as yeah. well and like um you know it's it's kind of it's like strikes quite close to home because one of uh, my friends is from mexico and obviously and obviously recently there was the mexican earthquakes mm. and as soon as we heard we were like oh my god i hope she's okay and like that's kind of like you relate to kino because an earthquake is something that doesn't happen in the uk and it's like you kind of that that feeling of uncertainty and you know because people live on fault lines and that must be the most terrifying thing mm. it's like to have that uncertainty behind you and it kind of then you can relate that to that feeling of anxiety and that feeling of, you know, mm. like you said, psychosis and that not knowing how to control yourself because, yeah, any at any point you could, like, lose that control. Mm. Uh, and that, yeah, that makes total sense. And I love being able to hear the reasons behind songs. Like, even if you've only heard them a couple of times, you go, I really want to know what that's about. And often with this kind of music that you don't get the chance to do that. And that's why mm. I kind of... I like to talk to people about their music because I'm like, oh, what was that about? And then sometimes I feel really bad about it though because I go like, oh yeah, was, that was a really traumatic experience in my life. Thanks for bringing it up. No, but, but yeah, I think those are like such valuable experiences to share with people because then you realize that you're not alone. Mm, like, precisely, yeah. and that everyone does, like everyone's experiences are different, but everyone does experience similar things or like can relate to what you're feeling and I think what was like interesting was coming back to uni after all of that had happened like 
I, I don't know if I was just like emitting this empathy, but I then had a lot of friends that like opened up to me about mm. um or like just acquired friends that like were going through some really difficult stuff and I and I, I could I didn't understand what it, it was like for them exactly, but I was able to share things about myself and, and I think that's why like songwriting is so important to me because it's such a like it's such a cathartic thing to begin with and it's like it helps me understand like stuff in my subconscious that I don't even understand myself and you, mm. you can also get that from talking about experiences and I've gone through some therapy and it's like you realize things about yourself mm. just by talking it out and it's like oh okay that 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 makes sense now <laughs> like yeah. that like that underlying thing that I've had for all my life oh that that makes sense now that's kind of that's really <laughs> weird I that's that's why I find it so hard to relate to people who don't enjoy music mm. like how are your how is your life so okay that you don't <laughs> need to listen to music to relate to other feelings because like I've had that since I was very very little that I would relate to music because of the way it felt and it, I could relate it to my feelings and the fact that mm. people are like just go through life without really engaging with music or really get, having that relationship with music kind of is so alien to me, but good for them. Cause like they don't, they're obviously not in that position, but um, where they, where they need that. But then again, I, I think kind of what we were talking about earlier is that I think people are so cut off from that. Like, because we live in such a like oversaturated, like distraction world, you don't, understand that underneath all of that you're actually feeling like that mm. so maybe that's I mean yeah I kind of feel a bit hypocritical because I feel like I don't really listen to much like that much music every day but yeah. I feel like that's because I create a lot of music so I feel like I kind of need that space to yeah of... no that that makes a lot of sense and like I ob obviously relate music a lot to my work because mm. you know I work in the music industry which is i'm so thankful for um you kind of yeah yeah then you don't want to you don't want to listen to music as much yeah. because it's it, you relate it to work and it's not as relaxing as yeah. it can be but when you do listen to stuff and it, it has an impact on you that that kind of that's so important yeah when you can connect to stuff and you can connect to other people's experiences that are completely different to you and you can enjoy something they've done because it's it's different and mm. you, you relate to it and it's it's it, a a story isn't it it's like a narrative into something that you wouldn't otherwise have experienced because yeah. yeah we only have one life and don't get to experience everything so. <laughs> the way you can kind of take a feeling from someone someone else's music that you'll never experience the things that they did mm. and that's what's great about music like we live in this like interconnected world where everything is a distraction but at least now we can kind of relate to someone a million miles away that mm. like that you can kind of um go oh right I get that because I've kind of gone through something similar or I don't quite get that but I see where you're coming from um or you like just relay like completely different meaning to it that was yeah and I think that's what's so beautiful as well and something that I talked a lot with another uh, musician friend of mine uh, Desmond Myers like we had this really interesting conversation where we're like as soon as you release something it's like a really scary process because it's then not yours anymore. Mm. Like it's for other people to interpret their own. It's like theirs, their interpretation of it. I yeah. don't know. It's... No, no, that makes sense. And I, you, you hear a lot of artists say, oh, I don't want to explain what that song's about because 
um, because I want people to take away what they want from it. And like some sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's fine because I don't want you to ruin that song for me. Cause I feel, <laughs> feel it like a certain way about it, and I related that to that point point in my life. But other times I really want to know what they are talking about because yeah. it seems like such a mystery to me. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's pros and cons to that way of thinking. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of, but with with me now, with, with thankfully with music, it it's become something that. Well, I don't know. I don't know if this is thankfully, but it's something I need. Like, I mm. I can't go for a length of time without listening to music. I can't sit in the car and drive without music on. Like, it I actually kind of makes me feel awful. <laughs> like, um, and I don't drink coffee. And when I have to wake up early, if I don't, if I can't listen to music, I get really like, I just don't wake up. And it doesn't. That's it, what like, I need to do. <laughs> That's why I've never woken up in the morning and then play music. Yeah, and it's 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 perfect because it's like it engages your brain. And it kind of it it sends off those endorphins that you you have when you listen to music that you know some people don't have it as much but like I've become so much more connected with music over the past couple of years because I have a, I don't know um, I used to work doing sound for cover bands I've mentioned this quite a lot on the podcast and it ruined music for me mm. like it made me view music as something that was throwaway and was kind of just like this thing and. It took me a while to get over that, but as soon as I did, I started relating to music in such a such a much clearer way. And a lot of the music I used to listen to, like I stopped listening to because I was like, I don't feel like this has any value to me anymore. So I feel like, yeah, if you can let those things affect your brain, it's like it's like a chemical release, like everything else. Like we're talking about, like eating chocolate, earlier, <laughs> and there's that there's that whole thing about which I don't think I can't imagine is true because the the whole idea that if you eat chocolate, it gives off the same endorphins that you have when you feel when you're in love. I'm like, no, because like as good as chocolate is, it's not that good. Like, <laughs> really, I think it's better sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I eat too much chocolate then. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Although I had some really good chocolate, so yeah, mm, I don't know. It's, me uh, too. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like I feel like you can get that with music like it sent off those endorphins that um and I've been so affected by some music like it's so kind of ev- evocative and like if it, it affects you if it can affect you in that way then it's amazing and like I think you know it's, it's not it's not the same for some people like you know some people enjoy watching sport and I don't I no it's not that I don't get that I completely get that because I have kind of fallen into that way of thinking before like when you're collectively enjoying something together it's like sport or like a concert um it's such a, a kind of connective experience but then you can kind of sit on your own at home and listen to it to music and it be that experience as well and like mm. um I'm really jealous of people who get to sit there and be able to write songs because I've I've tried it for years and I can't do it because I don't have not that I don't have the like the ability to understand music because i i do understand music i like i i can read music i can play guitar i can play instruments but it's just that that drive i think and i'm like i just can't i can't do it like i can't sit in a i used to hate jams in band practice and things Mm. like that and but but me too like and i would say that like it's not that you can't do it like you can't do it yet and i and i think i've been stuck a lot with songwriting in that like I like want to do it so much that it then doesn't it's kind of stops you from being able to like that pressure that you put on yourself is so 
so great that then shuts down like actually trying to Mm. i don't know you get these creative blocks definitely like if you're trying if you're forcing yourself to to write music it's not going to happen but even now like even though i haven't written a song in two years like i still if i come up with something in my head like a lyric i will write it down just in case Mm. because i just you gotta have some outlet i think i i i hate the fact that like I am a musician as a sound engineer because, like, it's such a cliche. <laughs> but it's, it's, I don't actively go out and play music. I don't want to do it. And it's just something for me now. Like, yeah. I don't think I'd ever share that music with anyone except just to do it for myself. Um, that doesn't make it any less valuable. No, and I, I guess not. But like, I, showing that music is just sharing something. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it shows how personal music can be mm. um, because, you know, I write songs because it's, yeah, it's a release and, mm. or I wrote songs because it's a release. I haven't done it for so long, but now because I don't have any time to do it. Mm. Um, but kind Other of things take priority, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. when, it, when it comes to writing songs, is it then more of a, you, so you, you can't sit down and write a song or do you still do that? Well, like actually dedicate time to, I've been trying to do that more, but actually I just find that, and recently, I don't know if it's been easier but I've just been feeling like in the month of September so like the final stages of planning my tour like we lost um like a friend to addiction and then my like one of my closest friends dad um like committed suicide and it was like and I wrote as soon as that happened I wrote a song for her and then like the also this other this other friend like wrote a song for about that and it was just like I think um, I'm conscious that I'm like, do do they want me to talk about this and then <laughs> this day yeah. aired live? But um, it's, it's it's because it's I wouldn't say it's therapeutic, but it's it's a way of expressing yourself. Like when you go through something like that, or when you know someone who's gone through through something like that, you want to talk about it, mm. and often you can't talk about it in a way that's satisfactory. Mm. So you need to get it out in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think some, mus- I think, yeah, I think, um, I think that's really difficult for some people to do. And I think for other people, like, like musicians, like creative people, like filmmakers or whatever, uh, writers and stuff, that's so, that's so part and parcel of their, their drive to be creative is that kind of, that outlet Mm. to get things out and I think you know it's really helpful and I guess it is therapeutic and um Mm. but it's weird that like I can apply that for something I can relate so like another song that I wrote recently was about a friend that was going through a really like um like difficult time and I can relate and write songs uh, like about what they're feeling that's also like something that I feel as well because obviously I feel that kind of a pain that like a friend of mine is like going through a difficult time but it's it's difficult in in that when that an event or something has actually happened to me like that that song earthquakes I couldn't write for ages after it took me like I think a couple of years or at least or like like I went through some therapy and everyone was like oh just write like put that through your music and Mm -hmm. I couldn't I had these like kind of blocks that I was like it was too close for me to be able to write about yeah like I guess 
if you sit down and you go, all right, I'm going to write about this particular thing, mm. you, it's not going to... I mean, I guess some people are lucky and it can happen to them, but <laughs> it's like, um, I don't think that's as easy as it sounds. Yeah, and I went to a talk by BBC introducing, it was the Amplify event, and Ray Morris said something really interesting about that in that she was like, you, you can't write a song about an emotion because, like nothing's like that black and white everything's like this weird like gray mesh of like overtones and everything that you can't even if you think you're writing about something actually there's probably like another like contradictory point of view that's not like I don't know it's way more complex than like our society kind of wants to believe in that everything fits into boxes and <laughs> it's, it's like the way you, you said about how different people interpret different uh, songs like possibly different to the artist possibly different to other people like mm. you can get an, a different emotion out of certain songs like you yeah. can get joy out of a song that other people might feel sadness about or you can get anger out of a song that other people might feel uh, a lot of the time when i i, I find with with songwriting that not, like i said i haven't done it for a while but I, I i reckon this is true for a lot of people is that you just a lot of the songs come out of something you want to talk about, but you you haven't really consciously thought about mm. it. So when you did finally write that song, was it conscious or was it kind of a kind of combination of things? Do you, do you remember? God, it was such a long time yeah. ago that I wrote it. Um, I think uh, I think it started off maybe uh, like subconscious. And then as I was writing some stuff, I was like, oh, maybe this is what it's about. And then it became kind yeah. of a, more of a conscious thing. And that like, oh, I'm finally, or maybe I didn't even realize that I was finally writing yeah. a song about that thing that like the therapist or like other people had told me that I needed to write about. Don't, don't want to pour scorn on your therapist, but I think that's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, I don't think you can tell someone no. you have to, you, this is the way you get it out. It's by doing this. I think it's it comes naturally on its own. Yeah, like, it, I mean, it was a suggestion. Yeah, a suggestion. He wasn't but, like. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I was trying to put across. It's the fact that you start writing something, and then you you relate it to something that's happened to you, or you realize it's something. Mm. And I think that can obviously come a lot of the time from the subconscious. But if you yeah, if you sit down and write a song about something, and you know from the start what that song's gonna be about, then that's pretty impressive <laughs> like I, I don't think it ever does even when I start thinking I'm like oh this song's about I, I want to write a song about this this yeah. is what it's about it morphs into something or it has other meanings it's I often look back at some of my songs and I'm like oh whoa like like the song I wrote um like the new single hopefully that's gonna come out it's called Albatross and that I wrote about my friend but actually like like playing it recently I was like this applies to everything that I do to myself Mm. like it was so it was kind of like whoa like I should be singing this to myself in a lot of ways like I wrote it for her and to sing to her like to help her through something that she was going through but actually it's exactly the same applied to me I think a lot of that empathy comes from your own experiences because if you you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, but a lot of that does come from mm. going through similar things yourself. Like yeah. it's hard to relate to people. That's why, like, um, I think a lot of people have problems relating to certain. I don't know. Like my the first thing that springs to mind is like rap music or maybe like country music and stuff. Where it's like you don't. I'm not from uh, LA. I'm <laughs> not from New York, and I'm not from 
you know, the South, so I can't relate to these lyrics that they're talking about. But when I listen to hip hop that kind of is a bit more, um, has a broader scope, then uh, then I, I do relate to it. And like, um, there's this, there's an album that kind of was one of the albums that really got me to into rap. Like, well, not not straight away, but like one that I got into later on. Uh, it's this album called Because the Internet. It's by Charles Gambino, and that. Mm. Um, that was a lot about the internet and the way that we kind of isolate ourselves, like I said, and like our distractions and stuff. And I was like, oh, that makes way more sense than this kind of like this braggadocia uh, hip hop. You you kind of like the obvious stuff that you get. And uh, that was like so much more relatable than, than, so I was like, oh, I can put myself in that mindset and then kind of understand the rest of this album based on that. Um, mm. And I think, yeah, and I think the way people relate to music is like, yeah, some people can't, understand like the emo music I used to because they don't feel like that and mm. like yeah that's that's fair enough but then I don't understand the the party music because I don't go out party <laughs> yeah but like yeah fine if you're in that mood then it's it's fine I I think also like what you mentioned about there's like so rap music I was I was the same but there was a film that I watched um I had to study for like French A-level called La N. it's such a brilliant French film if you haven't seen it um, but then after watching that, then the song by Guignard Cana, which is this French uh, like rap singer, was so heartfelt. And all this, like, because I'd, I'd like watched the film and empathized with the film, it was like mm. that song had so much meaning to me. And it was also like, like that kind of injustice that I suppose I could relate to on a different level. Yeah, definitely. And I think you know when you talk about film and when like with soundtracks and stuff to films and, and music that's related to films you can kind of feel that that empathy because you've watched a film and you can relate that to your ex your experiences when you're watching that and mm. how you felt when you're watching that and that that music then kind of takes on a takes on a meaning like if you played it to someone that hadn't seen the film they'd feel a completely different way about mm. it so I think that's that's really important um and I like that kind of I mean for you it's because you you're how well do you speak French? Oh yeah, I grew up in yeah, Paris. Yeah, so, so quite well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so obviously you can kind of understand those lyrics. But for me, kind of being very monolingual, unfortunately, uh, I I quite enjoy listening to uh, music of different languages because then you don't get so invested in the lyrics, which I mm. find is quite can be quite distracting. Yeah. Um. So there's a, a Belgian artist called Strome who's quite successful in kind of in Europe who is really kind of evocative with his lyrics but you don't have to necessarily understand what he's talking about because the way he puts them across is so well and then when you read the lyrics and kind of read the translations you go, oh that's even like more impressive because mm. it's actually about interesting subjects and then and then some of them are a bit like cliched and on the nose but that's like that's a different conversation <laughs> from the time but um yeah and that's actually though that's no it's not because i feel like when you sit down and, and write a song and you know what it's gonna be about I think those songs come out a lot less subtle and like I have definitely heard that in music before mm. where people have sat down and written a song and they know what they're writing about and it's come out very on the nose and very kind of and sometimes that's great because sometimes that's like very hard hitting but sometimes it's, it's very cheesy. <laughs> that's true actually I didn't I haven't thought about that the this albatross this like hopefully the next single that I record and release mm. is like I knew exactly like I went home well actually it was after having seen my friend I was cycling home and I was lowering the, the gears on my bike 
Um, and then as I was going uphill and it's this, this notion that like, as you're going uphill, you lessen the risk or you're encountering, um, diff something challenging. You, yeah. you lessen the resistance on yourself and you're, you're kind of to yourself. Um, and yeah. And then I just went home and I was like, right, I'm writing a song about that. Like I knew like, as I was kind of cycling home that I was going to write this song and it was about that. I think that's a different thing though. I think that's a spark of inspiration mm. because you kind of get that concept and you then you can write something around it. Whereas if you sit down and have a firm thing, right, yeah. I'm going to get this message across, then it's like... That's true. It's it's much more difficult to make that, uh, like, poetic in a sense. Mm. Um, I guess, yeah, it wasn't a, a clear thing. Yeah, so it's again, it comes to, like, a subconscious or, like, like a conscious thing that you... Well, I mean, changing gears, like, it ends up being a subconscious thing because when I was driving, gears were so difficult mm. and, like, and now it becomes a subconscious thing. You don't even think about, oh, that's that's that gear I'm putting in that. Like, you don't think about that anymore. And it's, mm. I guess it'll be the same on a bike. So that does come from a subconscious place and then it kind of clicks in your brain and go, oh, this makes sense in that. Yeah, so you can kind of connect those dots. So it, in a sense... That does come from a subconscious thing. So yeah, I kind of we got through quite a lot of discussion without <laughs> even like getting to the kind of the structure of what I do, which is great, and I love that. And oh it's, yeah, it's... I was I was actually throughout all of that being like, oh, I want to like write notes and everything you're doing. Like this is the podcast that I would want to listen to and like be oh. like, I want to like check out these artists oh, like references. You. Well, well, you can yeah, you, mentioned. You, can, <laughs> you can. That's that's why I record it, and you can <laughs> listen back to it. But um, so. I kind of start the podcast, I kind of do it like in a, yeah, I start it. We've been recording for almost an hour now, which is amazing. So I start it by kind of going back to the very beginning and then working through forward. Mm -hmm. um, so we covered a few things, but like not in much detail in relation to you. I asked two questions at the start, two questions at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so the first question I ask is, what's your first memory relating to music? Um... I mean, I think I, I just always sang. And as far as I can remember, me and my brother used to, like, put on performances for my mum and dad or, like, the rest of the family. Um, there's this classic moment where my brother was singing a song that the lyric was, like, stamp your feet. And he was standing on a plastic table and went through the table. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and I, like, very embarrassingly was sat on a windowsill pretending I was Annie from the film oh. singing that song and um yeah my aunt still teases me about that oh, that's mean <laughs> that's um, but that's so that's such a kind of good way of starting out because to, to when you're a child you don't have that self-consciousness about doing those things and like that's such a good way to start it. And if you if you have that subconsciousness from, from an early age, you kind of don't want to... It takes a lot to get yourself back to... Well, it takes yourself to get to a point where you are comfortable going on stage. I know mm. a lot of people who were very um, confident at a young age and then kind of grew up and lost that confidence and kind mm. of had to gain it back. But, yeah, being able to perform in front of people is... Yeah, is... But I think I but I get such bad stage fright and it's weird because like like I do keep coming back to it like I there's something about performing that really I think maybe because I I've always done it since I was little it's really alluring mm. to to me and but yeah but I get terrible stage fright like before I play like play when I I play bass in my brother's band and like 
I feel really like comfortable on stage because it's not my songs. Mm. It's not like, but still before every gig, I always like have to run to the loo. Like my, I'm always stressing out my brother because I'm like asking the sound engineer if I've got time to run to the loo and back before we start performing. And yeah, I really get really bad stage fright. And I guess people never see that, that like behind the, the scenes of that. Yeah, I think, you know, stage fright, I don't know where it, I don't know. <laughs> I think stage fright often comes from, well, it, in my experience, it comes from a feeling of you're going to mess up. Hmm. Is, is, that, is that it or is it you just... And it's also, yeah, it's like being seen, which in a way by sharing your songs, you, you want to, like, that's the point to be like kind of, to speak out about something. But you... um Yeah, you. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's gone. Uh, this clear vision, and then the beer hit me, and I was like, "You had half a bottle." I know. I don't really drink that much. Oh my god! Sorry. <laughs> no, um, sorry. I'm not actually drinking. No, okay. That's of, real. If you I lost though. my thread, and I needed an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> like, surely not. But yeah, that, so that stage fright, and and kind of so putting those ideas that the personal ideas out there. Do you think that that affects your stage fright as well but like you're saying you're you're playing songs with your brother and they're not songs that you've written Mm. and they're so you don't feel so connected to them but you still get stage fright yeah but recently i've started writing my own bass lines and i i really Um, love like some of my bass lines i think you can tell when i'm on stage because they're like just really get into them and it's like i'm in some ways kind of proud of what i've created or added to the song whereas with my stuff it's all like my like my heart is on the line basically it's all so personal and if people don't like it they're kind of saying that they don't like you (laughs) (laughs) which you know shouldn't really matter but I think it's human nature to have this desire for people to like you it's like part of the like how we kept um kind of safe in hunter gatherer days like you're gonna break it down that part yeah yeah um (laughs) i know i know and you kind of when when you talk about these things it's like yeah that's you kind of then bring it back to the baseline of like the the basic kind of animal instincts but i think (laughs) i've started to think that that's not really a good way of looking at things because um because you know we've we've been on the earth for how long (laughs) now and it's like you know, I think we've moved past that kind of that animal instinct. You would hope, anyway. But I think it's still a part of our brain. Like we still got that. Like although we've evolved so much, we still got this like reptilian brain. I think. I mean, I don't like. I'm pretty sure. Like the little that I know about neuroscience is that that part of the brain still exists. Mm. So and we're not. Yeah, I get your point, and yeah. to I, I just want to have more faith in people, basically, about <laughs> their like I don't know, but that feeling of kind of exposing yourself to a lot of people, like um, it can be scary. But I, I don't know, like I've never had horrendous stage fright, which is I guess I'm really lucky. Like <laughs> um, I think some people just don't. It's yeah, I think the only the only feeling I get is if I'm going to mess up and then mm. but that's more disappointed in myself I don't, I don't I'm not going to like feel embarrassed about it it's just like I will get up on a stage if people want me to get up on a stage and it's just like mm. fine yeah but I and 
which is funny because I didn't end up doing that. So like, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's fine. So yeah, people are going, oh God, I can't believe you can do that. It's like, I just don't care. Like mm. I, I kind of lost that thing as a kid. Like I kind of was all right with performing as a kid. And like, I never lost that kind of, that worry about being scared on stage. Like, so. And people think that's confidence, but actually there's like, loads of different types yeah. of confidence i'm not confident the... person. <laughs> like that's yeah it's got nothing to do with confidence i reckon it's just to do with like the way you feel about people's perception of you and mm. like i think that that and it's a skill as well like i guess and a habit like yeah precisely the more you do it the more yeah the more it's okay but like you know like i've i've known people who are terrible like terrible get terrible nervousness about being on stage and like mm. physically have physical reactions to like being up on stage even as like not even seasoned performers but like kind of yeah like people who do it often and it's like oh my god like are you all right like yeah it's fine it just happens all the time I'm like oh my god like <laughs> um so that that kind of performing from a young age that kind of is quite key when you are when you do end up in the place and I like I like linking all these threads together and kind of going oh it's because of this like like a therapist like <laughs> go you you did this because of this and people are like I'm not sure that's strictly true and I'm like no I got you um so and then the second question I ask is uh do you remember what the first record you chose was not necessarily that you bought uh or was kind of given to you but one you like actively chose to kind of have or listen to I mean I can't remember but like judging from my brother telling stories from when we were younger i have a feeling it would be like a spice girls one yep. fine yeah <laughs> and it's like a lot of people go oh it's really embarrassing but like no because that's that's what the kind of music that you you listen to do you know you don't remember at all though that the kind of feeling behind that so first was the question that so like the first like record you chose that i chose have. yeah it's yeah like i a, guess it would be yeah, I don't know. I just remember car journeys. Like we used to like go on holidays in the car and drive around places. I don't know where. I just I don't know where. I don't remember where we went. I just remember <laughs> being in the car. And then I think this is slightly like twisted from my brother's memory is that we would either listen to the Spice Girls, which was my choice, or the Harry Potter tapes, which was my brother's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put that, does that, do those two things line up? Because I'm sure Harry Potter was after the Spice Girls. I don't know. Maybe that's. I don't know. Maybe this that's... is maybe where like all memories get yeah, merged yeah. and confused. That's and I'm like, is that actually, did that happen? Or, or like, you know, when you're like, a memory is weird because you're like, did I remember that? Or mm. did I just remember you saying that? People will remind me of things that I've done that I'm like. I don't even remember doing yeah. that. Like that's, that seems crazy. Like I can't, I can't believe that's a true thing. And then. Uh, you're so sure of something happening sometimes that like and it's not actually true like mm. that's this really weird thing that's like um called the mandela effect which is this really kind of the 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 reason it's called that is because people um remember falsely that the nelson mandela died in prison well that's when it's not true people are like no but i'm sure he did and it's like no 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 not not true and that's why it's called that and like people like remember movies that didn't exist or things that didn't happen but it's like it's so wrapped up in conspiracy theories it's like kind of whenever i think of it i'm like yeah i'm not really sure that's a thing but <laughs> you know yeah memory is so affected like that when you hear a song that you haven't heard for a long time or yeah 
having music related to memories is so weird like there are songs that i cannot listen to now because they are so affected by memory related to that which is horrible because like mm. you go oh i really like that song now i can't really listen to it without feeling that way about that mm. thing that happened but when you hear music you haven't for a long time it kind of you kind of go oh i remember this and kind of there's like such this kind of I'm going to butcher some French now, uh, some <laughs> that je ne sais quoi, like um, <laughs> feeling about uh, a song that comes on that you haven't heard for a while and you get that feeling and you're like, I don't know what it is, but I know it relates to this certain time when the song came out and like or this, uh. when I heard this song and it's like, it's such a weird thing and it's like, it happens with, like, with, with smells as well. It's like, it's like this certain kind of thing you go, oh, I, I know that, but I can't relate that to something, but it is a, it's connecting to something in my brain that's like, that provokes an emotional response in me and I wish I knew what it was mm. and it's like I think music can do that quite if like quite quite well so yeah you mentioned that you you so you were born in London and grew up in Paris yeah and well I grew up in Paris until I was 10 then yeah. I moved to Winchester so and you saying you don't really remember going traveling around a lot <laughs> makes me think that living in Paris everywhere else would seem really boring <laughs> <laughs> Because I love Paris, I love Paris. I've been a couple of times, um, and that city is so rich with with history and with like. Um, there's not a city I've been to in the world, apart from maybe New York, that just lives like that city does. And it's it's kind of I'm so jealous of the fact that you got to spend <laughs> that long there. I don't know. It's, it's it's weird. Like, so how do you remember how that was growing up in Paris? I don't I don't actually remember much from my childhood which is kind of like other than like things that I've been told that I mm. did. Like what was weird was that when I moved back to the UK like people have this like a romanticized version of <laughs> Paris that I well, totally don't get. Yeah, um, okay, fine. To me Paris is like dog pee on the street. Yeah. Like Well, yeah, because yeah, no, I I totally understand that feeling because like um I was driving through Radha in Cardiff with one of my friends in the summer um, and Radha is where I went to high school. So I was just driving through these, this place and it's like, oh, it's just this is place. And she's like, oh, it's really beautiful. And I'm like, is it? Like, <laughs> it's just, just a suburb in Cardiff. <laughs> and then I go, oh, that's, yeah. Because if you haven't lived in that place, mm. then you don't, you don't have that sense of normality around it. Like, Yeah, you see it with like a fresh perspective, I guess. Yeah, and like I know I can completely understand your, your feeling about <laughs> Paris being that place because, yeah, it is that place as well. Like, it is that horrible. <laughs> like, there's this incredible French drama called Spiral, which is uh, Engrenage in uh, in French. And, um, yeah, it just shows like the seedy underbelly of Paris and like there's a lot of like, really horrible aspects of it still makes me want to go to Paris though mm. like I just oh uh, yeah it's like you're right it's there's a really ra- romanticized vision of Paris from people in Britain and and you know around the world like mm. um but then I I suppose also like it's not that's not all I remember about Paris but I also have this like I, I guess kind of like romanticized version of my my child like my uh, primary school there and it was but then I think it it was like kind of a, a, a like a special school in some ways. But then I, I don't know. I have nothing to compare it to because mm. I didn't go to another primary school. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's like, but if you go to primary school in in one country and then go to high school in another, like mm. that must be a really 
weird thing to kind of shift between. It, it was really weird actually and in in Paris it, I was kind of like a novelty I was like oh the English girl yeah and then I moved to the UK and I was like oh French girl even though I like I never really considered myself to be French yeah but it was like I had that kind of like um, kind of stigma of being foreign like stigma of being foreign that sounds yeah. awful well <laughs> I don't know I, there it, is I in my eyes there is no stigma of being no, foreign I know, I know but it's like, like it's, it's unfortunately there's that there's that undercurrent of feeling in mm. in, in Britain sadly but mm. I'm sure there's an undercurrent of that feeling in every country in the world but I being from Britain it kind of you go oh it's like it's it's outside the norm and it's mm. kind of that's that's why but it's unknown and i guess yeah. that's what people are fearful yeah exactly I that's that's a very deep conversation to have <laughs> a um, different kind of yeah, podcast different, oh gosh yeah <laughs> there's no, nothing to do with music <laughs> so you mentioned like studying french after you came back to britain yeah i did well it was kind of just to get an A-level, yeah. a GCSE and A-level, <laughs> because it was easy. <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't, it wasn't actually easy. It was because this, I left Paris when I was 10. Yeah. So, like, my vocabulary is, like, really unsophisticated. And I didn't, like, it was funny, like, going back to Paris as a teenager because I'd missed out on all, like, slang or, like, mm. rude words that <laughs> I'd kind of, like, learnt again moving Yeah. To, it, th- it was in that weird I think trans- I know more rude words in French than I do other words in French, though. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of had to relearn French in a way to, to, to for it be in an English school. Is that, is that um, right? No, in the, just, like, like this film I was watching was, mm. like, really sophisticated and, like, um, about issues that I would have never have discussed oh, as yeah, a 10-year-old yeah, living yeah, in yeah. Paris. So it's kind of learning that, kind of going, <laughs> oh, I, I need to know what that means because yeah. yeah, I don't know that as a 10 No, that makes total it was, sense. Yeah. yeah, it was kind of the same when I, I lived in, I studied in Madrid. I studied architecture in Madrid for a bit and it was like, even though I could speak Spanish, like all the technical yeah. vocabulary oh, God, I just yeah. didn't have. I went to Madrid this year and yeah, architecture, that place is weird, isn't it? Because it's like... <laughs> Because didn't they knock most of the old stuff down or? I don't actually know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you studying architecture I in studied architecture in a school, but not to do with the history of architecture oh, in Madrid. That's fine. And that's not Sad. a conversation we could have. That's <laughs> Sorry. Fine. But I think um, it's interesting about, yeah, I just because just um, they knocked down a lot of the, the old buildings in, in Madrid because it's the same. It happened in Paris as well. Um they just and and in Barcelona, like they just got rid of all the old buildings just so they could build new ones. And it's like you didn't, you don't get that like now because it's like if you if anyone implies that they're going to knock down a really old building, you go no 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 don't do that. Like, but it's like back then it wasn't those things weren't valued as they are mm. now. So it's kind of it's interesting that you kind of can lose that architecture. So so, but you probably don't want to talk about architecture. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> I don't. I feel like I go through phases with architecture where 
sometimes like I, I'll just be like I just don't have an interest in architecture mm-hmm. but then something will come up and like I'll just suddenly get really passionate about architecture <laughs> I remember this with like Sian like yeah. one, we went out for drinks one night and then all of a sudden I was like passionately talking about architecture to to somebody that I just met and I was like oh I really I do care about this yeah. <laughs> but, I think I think it's kind of I've I've ended up being lucky in the sense that I ended up doing the thing that I went to uni for because hmm. a lot of people don't a lot of people just like go out use I never want to do that again like my sister <laughs> did photography and she's like I never want to take any I don't never want to take a photo again like because you just you study something to to death and you hate it because mm. of, because of the way it's so intense and <laughs> my course didn't end up doing like I don't do now I do certain elements. But a lot of the things I did on my course, I don't do now. So I don't relate those two things together, mm. even though they are linked. Um, so it's kind of interesting in that sense. But um, yeah, so yeah, because obviously you didn't end up doing an <laughs> architecture job. No, I did. I worked in a practice for like six months and I was just kind of drawing extensions mm. that were pretty much similar. And then like the style was always the same, mm. typical like lead roof. And then, yeah, I don't know. I just got, I I feel like I have too many different passions and architecture doesn't lend itself to having any passions. Yeah, I can, I can imagine it's kind of one of those things that unless you're like the upper echelons of it, you just, it's just really mediocre work. And you have to be really devoted to it. And there's just too many other things that I want to do. Like, it's still something that I care about, um... And that I think is so key to how we live, yeah. but it's it's just not something. The amount of people that don't look up in seas <laughs> and look at the architecture is kind of sad. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't e- either. Like, it's well, weird that like I studied it and like I was living in Cricklewood, and it was only like a day before I moved out or something that I was cycling down the lane and looked up and there was this massive Cricklewood sign and I was like I've never seen that before <laughs> I'd cycle down the street every single day never seen it well it's like if you walk down St Mary Street or High Street in Cardiff like uh, people's eyeline will either be down so they don't have to look at anyone <laughs> or looking at the chaos that's going on in that street if you yeah. look up the buildings are <laughs> actually really interesting and i don't think people like understand that as much mm. i think you can you can i bet you if you take a lot of photos in cardiff or cities around the world and go where is this they'll be like i've no idea because <laughs> people don't understand like yeah. the way that like i don't know but then i feel like i don't know it's kind of one of these underlying things where i go i've seen beautiful buildings and now and i've also seen some horrible ugly buildings and it's <laughs> like why did these why are you we allowed to build these horrible ugly yeah well I guess it's that thing you're so oversaturated with everything that in some ways is maybe the same with music as well and why Mm. some people don't listen to music because they're so oversaturated with so much that it's so hard to like unpick the stuff that you do like Mm. or yeah I don't know I guess that's I don't know and maybe that's why people when people go on holidays they're so much more interested in architecture because they're they're not going going i've got to go to this place i've got to go to this place and like do this and do this and they're actually just taking in their surroundings I'm like, for my DJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you you started singing and performing at a young age and do you play anything else except guitar oh you play bass uh yep 
I play bass. I I actually learned piano first. That mm. was my first instrument, and I learned clarinet for a little bit. But I'm terrible. I never practiced. Oh, I actually wanted to learn saxophone, but my... exactly the same thing I did. Because like, <laughs> uh, we had like the music teachers come in and, and go, "You can. These are all the instruments you could learn in, in primary school." And like, one of them was like playing saxophone. I was like, "Oh, I really want to do that." But you had to learn clarinet first, which I don't understand. I like, don't understand either. Wh- why can't you just jump straight to saxophone? Like, yeah, it's. I was told it's because the clarinet's harder. So once you've got the clarinet, you can move into the saxophone more easily. But if you never want to play the clarinet, what's the point? <laughs> the clarinet, like, I really like playing the clarinet. Eventually, like, I got to a point where I was like, I actually want to play clarinet. So the saxophone. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I that. only I only fell in love with the clarinet watching a, a clar- clarinetist yes. busker in Paris. All oh, right. Well. And the minute I saw him like play it so beautifully, I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> that's why the clarinet's great. Yeah, clarinet's <laughs> Before clarinet's that, I was great. like, it's an evil instrument <laughs> from Satan. You <laughs> <laughs> like want to move to saxophone so quickly? Yeah, I just got over the whole saxophone thing. I was like, yeah, but clarinets are kind of they're more subtle, and I don't know. But um, uh, it reminds me of actually being uh, in Paris a while ago and being in Sacre Coeur and hearing a harpist playing Hallelujah, and I was like, ah, this is one of these things I'm going to remember for the rest of my life because this is this is beautiful. Uh, I'm just like looking up over Paris and someone's playing like because like one of my favorite musicians is Jeff Buckley, so obviously mm. I relate that song to his version. So I was like, oh, this is this is gorgeous, this is perfect, but. You can't really do that because it's not his song so Mm. that's what it evokes in my head so you learned piano first and was that kind of through your own choice or was that kind of the same as everyone else you kind of get go you have to learn piano then (laughs) yeah I think it was my mum which I'm I'm I said to her like so much later down the line I was like thank you so much for putting up with me never practicing and like going through that and being so persistent and and actually it was the minute she gave up that I was like I think I don't know maybe a year later or something I really like I wanted to sight read a piece of I wanted to learn a piece of music so I knew how to sight read and really badly and painfully and slowly but (laughs) but managed to get through it and I was like actually thank you so much mum it's like (laughs) it's so valuable as as a musician to be able to read music because then you can just go oh okay let's and then move it around and kind of but yeah there's still so much about reading music that I don't understand like the whole kind of what key it's in I'm like yeah well I'll just read the sharps and flats and then I'll just play those like I don't know what that what key that is like so a question I asked musicians is do you remember what the first song you learned to play was or is it something very simple and boring um, I guess a better question would be uh, what's the first song you chose to learn first thing that came to mind was like Joni Mitchell A Case of You but I'm sure it was way before then um, but that's that's kind of like if that's significant for you I think that's probably important to talk about um because that kind of influence of of Joni Mitchell such a strong musician especially for I how old would you have been then I think I wrote my first song when I was 14 and then maybe Joni Mitchell was like when I was 17 or maybe even like 19 because I think you know you, you have all these like singer songwriters now or whatever that term is i hate that term as well singer songwriter because <laughs> it's such so steeped in that kind of uh uh mono 
See, I'm running out of words now. It could be. I'm going <laughs> to play know. the beer as well. Um, it's contagious. <laughs> uh, the words that means everything's the same. It's not monochromous. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not monochromatic. It's homogenous. That's it. It's not nothing to do with mono. Just thinking different, <laughs> different words. So that that kind of um, that singer songwriter thing about homogenous, like they're all kind of the same, which is a horrible thing to think of. So I hate using that term. Mm. You know, you, you have so many of them now, but to think back for those times in like the sixties and seventies, where Joni Mitchell was one of those artists that kind of was like, I'm a woman and I write my music, and everyone else could fuck off. Like, <laughs> so I I like I think that is really important for for women as musicians or girls as musicians because you can kind of go oh like you can be independent and write your own music you don't have to rely on anyone else and i think that's kind of as much as i detest people who go oh like if you look at this album one person wrote it but if you look at this beyonce album like 20 people wrote it oh it's quality of music etc but it's like i hate that kind of thinking but at the same time i think if you can do something on your own then it's so much better like that DIY ethic kind of thing because then you can you don't have to go oh I need everyone's help to help me get to this point so Mm. but you started writing music before then what kind of was there like a uh, something that provoked you into writing music or was it just kind of natural um I don't know I think it was I'd started learning guitar and yeah I've always like composed from like the guitar and it's only recently that I've like delved into doing a bit more piano composition like the first ever song I wrote all I remember from it is the first lyric and it like I don't know it was just like a set of like four chords or something and I just kind of sat down and kind of worked at it and yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like I think I was just always like always procrastinated. <laughs> and this was like a form of procrastination that I was like this this is like feels like time well spent. Yeah. And now do you find yourself procrastinating from songwriting? I used to a lot at uni, like I'd have a deadline the next day and I'd be up really late writing a song and then like I'd be like royally sleep deprived and be like oh my god I'm meant to be doing architecture work as well (laughs) yeah and I guess now maybe like I'm I'm probably (laughs) I kind of want to say no because it's only in the last year or so that I've kind of decided to kind of commit myself to do more music Mm. because I think I've I've always shied away from it because I guess the main reason is that I've always felt like I wasn't good enough. Yeah, I think that's that's a lot of... That is quite underlying. That's how I felt about a lot of things. Like, I gave up on photography because I was like, oh, I'm not good enough. There are so many people better than me at this. Like, mm. gave up on music because I was like, well, I'd rather be doing something else. I don't think I'm very good at this. Like, there's that kind of... Um, that feeling. But as soon as you get over that feeling and go, well, I enjoy it, so I'm just mm. going to do it, like... But it also, it is this weird paradox. It's this feeling of feeling you're not good enough, but also that you're so scared to pursue it because you care about it so much that if it goes wrong, then that would be like the end of you. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that weird, like, kind of bit in the middle, which you're right. like, like saying it's one, you're like, well, that makes the other one not true. But then saying it's the other, it's like, well, then that means that's not true. And to, but it's yeah. this weird, like, gray area <laughs> and then you've got to 
find that drive somewhere to kind of go all right I'm gonna do this now and you do mm. it and you get it out there and you go ah oh, that was that was terrifying yeah <laughs> but like you did it and like I'm so it's like anxious to get things out and I whenever I work with people I want it like I want it out now I want it out now because you don't I don't like sitting on that feeling mm. so that's that's the way I deal with it it's probably not a good way of dealing with it though <laughs> because then you end up putting something out that's not ready <laughs> which is I I mean I don't think it's but happened then is it ever ready um like, it well I think you never get to a point like it's just a different level of yeah, I think I think you share the quality that that I have, which is perfectionism, <laughs> yep. which is such a bad bad thing as someone who's creative because you just can't ever. That's why I'm not a record producer. That's why I'm a live sound engineer because once you do it, when you when you do live sound, it's gone forever. Mm. But when you produce something, it's there forever and you'll hear it forever. And so if you think you've made a mistake on it, like yeah. so, I've had to um, with the with Junior Bill, I've had to um, mix a live album because I have that like live ear rather than getting another producer to do it and so I think I finished it a couple of weeks ago because I still wasn't happy with it and like we've recorded it in July and um but I I kind of with that had to give myself like no no you have to finish it because like otherwise you're just gonna spend forever on it and Yeah. yeah so that perfectionist tendency is like it's bad but it's also yeah you you kind of get to a point where you you have improved it so much mm. like because you you can never see so yeah you need to let things go eventually yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and I think my whole recording my EP was like that and it was like like Mike and I just like worked so like so many late nights in the studio just like changing things and that and then there just came a point where it was like there's only so much yeah you can like redo this like it's you've got to reach a point where you're like okay this is good enough Uh, often there are artists out there who will always use the first take which i find terrifying Mm. like that's that's pretty impressive that you've got a the confidence and b the the kind of talent to just do it on the first take like i remember hearing uh interview with niles barkley which is um celia green and danger mouse Mm. um and they were talking about they never, they always, everything was always done on the first take because after that you lose the mm. the real emotion from it. That's and I was like, yeah, but also, no, like, that's yeah. so scary. Like, can you imagine, like, if all music ever recorded was only done in one take? Like, Especially if you know that as well, that first, that pressure. I mean, I oh, put yeah, so much pressure as well. on myself God, yeah. as it is, but, like, to know to go, that this is it. You can only do it once, like, yeah. And, like, but that's... But again, that's that's why I enjoy live sound so much. It's because mm. you have to be so good that you have to do it the first time. You can't, there's no going back on it. Yeah. It's like, so in a sense, that's like, it takes a little, I don't know, I don't know. I, all, the, all the studio engineers now are going to go, what? That's not true. It's like, so it takes a different <laughs> level. It takes a different kind of skill as being a live engineer because you have to get it right the first time. Otherwise, you can't go back and redo it. You can't go, oh, hang on, everyone, we're going to do that again. Like, mm. doesn't happen. Like, I think that's a different element of it. So I think, and that's also, um, that kind of relates to what we're talking about stage fright as well, because you can't, because at least when you're in a recording studio and you record something, like, you, at least you can go, okay, stop, do it again. Mm. But when you perform it live, you can't do that. I mean, yeah. I've seen bands do it, and I always go, oh, God, I wish you had done that. Because, like, mm. I don't know, like, <laughs> if something, unless something's going horrendously wrong. Yeah. I I I've, I'm alright with you making a mistake. Like it shows that you're human. Mm. Like, and yeah, it it terrifies me when I watch bands and they 
it also terrifies me when I watch bands and I know something could go wrong at any moment. Mm. I don't know, maybe I'm just that kind of person. <laughs> no. <laughs> kind of talking about that live element. So when I met you, we met at a sofa session in Kate's. The one. So that was the when Kitty. Kitty played. played yeah. yeah. So that I kind of like got. Well, I don't know if I got. Well, she was posting that you can like invite yourself to it and and stuff and things like that. And I came and filmed it because I was working on a kind of short yeah. documentary with her. Uh-huh, so that's when I met you then. That's when we met. Yeah. Um. And I think you were deep into your architecture thing because you seemed <laughs> I think you just handed in something in so you were right oh, or was, you were about to always the case when I was organizing so fast <laughs> I was like it was always because it, it had to be the day of my deadline or the day I don't know why it had to be my um, at the time it made logical sense that I always had it on the the day of the deadline or the day after. Because it was like a celebration that you'd finished? or <laughs> I don't think I thought of it in that way. It was more the fact that I was like, well, there's just no other time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because you're working on it and then once once it's done, you get to do the sofa thing. Um, no, it makes no <laughs> sense. No, it doesn't. I'm trying to work out the logic behind it and I can't Because I out. was like working on both like yeah. simultaneously. Because that's... So, so, so far sessions for anyone who doesn't know, which I, it's, would surprise me because they're so kind of famous now is when you, well, when someone offers their house or where they live or, I know I've seen it go into like different kind of venues, but it's like an alternative kind of live experience. Um, and it's secret as well, usually, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays it's like. It's like every, yeah, you kind of hear about it a lot far in advance, but like, um, but you kind of you're relying on people and it's, it's an amazing experience. Like I love that kind of getting music back to being really intimate Mm. and, um, you know, sometimes it can be really awkward, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's just how I feel about live music sometimes when it can be really awkward, but other times it can be really beautiful because I felt it a lot, uh, doing these podcasts because I, yeah, sometimes I will sit there and be concentrating so hard on recording someone that I will not, realize it but there will be moments when i'm recording going oh there's there's a human person in front of me playing music at me (laughs) and it's just just them and me and i get to experience this and it's it's gorgeous because like obviously i'm so invested in music as well and it's like i really enjoy that experience i'm so lucky that i get to do that like Mm. i get to convince people to to play music for me and then i guess like and it feels so much more intimate because like there's 20 people in a room and it's not in a massive music venue with all like the well not even a massive music venue like it's not in a music venue point blank there's no PA well rarely is a PA and so you get that much more intimate thing it's almost like someone's playing a song for you just like in their bedroom which has happened to me a couple of times and I'm thankful for it like (laughs) and it's a much more personal thing and like it's weird that like not many people get to experience that because I feel like changes music for you how many of those did you do do you remember like as in organized um, so i set it up uh, it was in my second year at uni i think and ran it pretty much like yeah virtually all on my own and then it was only in the next year that with my architecture deadlines i was like i gotta do this yeah so got little by little got a team involved 
and then the year after that I I was kind of still like involved in it but there were some sessions where I was I just couldn't go like yeah. I was too busy with my my course and deadlines or meetings and but what what kind of started you off doing it I think it was so after right after uh, the reason I wrote earthquakes after this like being mentally ill and then coming back to uni I I think I just realized that I needed music in in my life Mm. and that was kind of what kept me sane yeah (laughs) so I think it kind of evolved out of that it was also because my brother had played one in Oxford and then was like raving about Mm. how great it was and then he got me uh, invited to the Christmas uh, party that Sofa Sounds have um, and I went along to that and met the founder and kind of s- discussed about wanting to set one up in Cardiff because there wasn't one involved. Mm. I think what's interesting about so far is that it's it's not there's no like I don't know it's because it's so kind of split into these cities I don't know I, I mean I don't know how well it, how it's structured but it seems like it, it can be Obviously, you have to get approval from the from the the originators of it, but it's they're not overseeing you doing it. They're not choosing the artists that you work with. Yeah, not at the time. Not when I started. It was still early days mm. uh, when I set it up. So I had complete freedom, which was really terrifying in a way <laughs> because I was like, oh, I want to do this kind of like like well and like in line with what they wanted to do. But it also gave me complete freedom of what I believed in and mm. making those dice like decisions. And so you've continued to like play at these things now, which I guess. Yeah. I've played a few like around, around the UK and one in Athens, uh, last, last summer. Uh, no, this summer. Yeah. yeah. Technically last summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> the summer just gone. Um, and so you, you say it used to be that that way, I guess. Is it is it kind of evolved now, do you think? Uh, yeah, Sofa Sounds has, has grown, like, massively. And, and in fact, in London, like, and a lot of the other capital cities, it's, like, kind of very different. Like, like, the whole idea of it and what I love so much about it was that um, you wouldn't know who was playing. You yeah. didn't, you, like... Now in London, you have to pay up front, whereas at the idea of it, it originated out of you just turn up and then pay donation, like, at the end, depending on what you felt. Yeah. Like, and so I just really love that kind of gamble, whereas now it's kind of like this, like, blind faith. You're, like, paying for something yeah. that you're told is good. <laughs> That's terrifying to me as someone who has very little time and then kind of, yeah. So I know, and uh, that feeling of, yeah, you're not supposed to know who's playing. I think I was like, well, I know because he's playing, so I'm going to go to that. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, if you turn up and you don't know the artist playing, and they, yeah, but you could find something amazing in that. That is quite cool. And it's like yeah. when, you, when you turn up to a show and you don't know who the sport act is, like that's often quite interesting. Mm, it's um, that discovery that makes yeah, it feel I love more that. special sometimes. I know, and I, I was saying recently... Um, like on Spotify, you have that Discover Weekly thing. Mm. And you feel like, oh, I've found these amazing artists. But in the end, it's just like an algorithm. It's <laughs> kind of based on all the yeah. stuff that you've already listened to. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of, that that intimacy was like really interesting. And I th- I, f- I definitely understand why you, you were interested in that idea. 
you know, so many people are now connected to music. I think, you know, gig attendance has gone so, like, rapidly gone up because people want to experience music more. And I think that that kind of takes it on, on another step by having that intimacy because you kind of, you can go to these shows with thousands of other people or hundreds of other people or tens of other people. But if you're there and you're that close to an artist, mm. it's so much more intimate. And I think, yeah, like, as a sound engineer, removing a PA it's so much more interesting sometimes like mm. even though it puts me out of a job <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. so I'm fine with that because like <laughs> I love that kind of that intimacy like I love it when bands go into crowds or they yeah. start singing without microphones because it's like you just strip it all back and there's mm. no pretense then and it's just just the music and it's kind of that's so cool and yeah. I think it's that experience or like the times that you do see them before they they sometimes get big mm. like you have that um that memory or that like I don't know emotional kind of quality to it which I guess is kind of what I'm trying to do with with like showing the screening the film uh, is like bring that human interaction and connection like back precisely I mean and you want you want people to connect with those things on a on a better level than just putting it on in their on their phone Mm. like you want people to associate a memory with seeing it for the first time like that's so much better than I used to like really like when I went on a holiday when I was younger and um, I used to really like listen to new albums because then I would know that from that point mm. on I'd associate that album with that time and like I think that's you know we're talking about memory and music as well that 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 is really important it's key and if you don't if you if you treat music as throwaway it doesn't stick in your brain for longer I've noticed weirdly enough recently that I've don't know all the lyrics to my favorite songs like I used to like no I know the ones that my new favorite songs I mean because you don't have it doesn't have that staying power you don't associate memories with it and it's so it's so different to like I know all the songs to to albums that I used to listen to when I was a teenager because I would focus on them but Mm. now because it's throwaway you don't you don't have that contact with them I might listen to them as much as I I do but did, did then but now it's unless I listen to an album over and over which I have a couple of times lately you don't ever keep those lyrics in your head because you're treating it as a background or it's like mm. you're it's on a loop with something else and it's like yeah I think memory and music is kind of I think putting something visual to it or creating an experience around music is so much better than just putting it out and expecting people to like it in that sense like because yeah and I, I it's great that you kind of came up with that idea and adding something to a tour that's just not just you playing music and I think that's that's cool and I hope it's successful so do you, so you've done a few dates already have you uh, I've done one already yeah, yeah. And, and then the singing course and then the next one so did you show the film the, the no film? I wasn't I was no, wasn't ready in time uh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I can relate to that at the moment because we're, we're making this concert film and it's supposed to be out this weekend and it's not good but, um, yeah so it's fine I think yeah I think that kind of leads I think that's gone from the start and gone up I the only thing I haven't talked about which I don't know if you want to talk about is your brother mm. which is um so I kind of I knew there's like uh following what you've done I know there was this kind of underlying thing which is that your brother is a semi-successful musician I don't know like I I'm really bad and I base um <laughs> I base how successful a musician is off like Facebook likes mm. so I don't know how well that is an, of an indicator but he seems to be quite successful what would you, what would you say I mean it's like what is 
success. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's a difficult and obviously like he's my brother, so I I still see him. In, <laughs> well, I actually I barely see him, <laughs> so yeah. maybe that is a sign of success. success. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, he was like featured on Lad Bible, which is viral on facebook yeah. and like, <laughs> just came back from a tour in latin america and is now off touring in in germany yeah i would say that's a that's a <laughs> success but it's it's interesting how um you kind of shared that ex- musical experience with your brother from such a young age and that you both so invested in music and it makes me think of me and my sister because my sister's so invested in music and as am i but we're on very different paths i mean I think that that kind of the relationship you have with with a sibling when it relates to music is quite important, and the fact that you get to you've played in this band seems really cool. Mm, is that yeah, a- I mean, it is. It's really difficult as well. Like, I think I think all like sibling relationships are difficult, but yeah, it can be really difficult working with a sibling because um, yeah because there's that and there's that relationship that has existed before and now you have to yeah. relate that to a kind of a normal prof- well like no it is a professional relationship isn't it it's like yeah but then it's it's also not because you you've got certain habits around each other mm. so then doesn't become professional on many levels as well it's i don't know it's really weird confusing distinction yeah. that you can't really separate i guess that would be yeah interesting to to see but i guess what what um what i've heard about like siblings in bands is that uh do you sing in his band yeah i so, sing some backing and he vocals. sang backing vocals on your ep as well yeah he did uh and it's interesting because um as much as we don't want to well i don't know maybe maybe that's just my perspective as we don't want to be like compared to our siblings like mm-hmm. um with voices especially they can it's quite interesting to hear siblings sing together. There's mm. um, a band from, well, I say they're from Cardiff. They started in Cardiff, a band called Los Campesinos. And they started in Cardiff. They did start in Cardiff. They started in the youth centre that I, uh, well, still do stuff at in Cate's. Um Yeah, they started in university, Cardiff University. And um, they, they're always called a Welsh band, but none of them are actually Welsh. <laughs> this is really funny. Um, but, uh, so I think the, I saw them at a gig with my brother actually or my brother told me about them <laughs> yeah and like i really like them they're kind of like um yeah this like indie they they got very called twee a lot but like they're quite an, a dark indie band but the the two singers in the band was well, three singers now but the two singers in the band are brother and sister mm. i mean they weren't originally but this his, his sister joined and uh their voices together are very interesting to listen to because they're so kind of matched in that sense so that's, mm. I thought that's really cool I think a lot of it is probably because of your accent I think if you grow up with someone you've obviously got that same although I don't know I don't know if our accents are the same actually but I guess it's like I I know that like in like an ex-boyfriend's band it was always like him doing harmonies was like he had to learn to speak like the lead singer oh right um and that's what kind of creates a more kind of unified sound i guess, I guess. That, yeah that makes sense um and in choirs and stuff you're always trying to get people to do the same vowel shapes or or yeah. something so. and i think i don't know if it's even it, it's accents it's just the it probably comes from like 
the speech patterns you learn as a kid mm. like because I recognize now that um uh when I talk to my daughter who's five years old like I sound like my dad but people always tell always have always told me that I sound like my dad but it's specifically saying things <laughs> to my daughter because it would be things that my dad said to me when I was a kid and like I'll go oh yeah that makes sense now because it's like yeah it's like speech patterns like that and you go oh that's that's why because you've just grown up learning those speech patterns from your parents or learning them from like close friends and stuff like that um but it's funny now because you say like accent stuff my sister went to uni in london and i stayed here and i've picked up more of a cardiff accent and Mm. she's picked up more of a london accent so we sound we do sound still similar but like there is that difference now and i think yeah but it it can yeah i reckon it's it's down to kind of speech patterns and Mm. and you know the way we, we kind of form our sentences rather than but then accents, I guess, can kind of, yeah, it's weird. That, yeah. Mm. Another thing as well is, like, that I think my brother's always been, like, the loud one in the family, and I've always been really quiet. So, and, and I guess, like, yeah, I feel like there's, like, a nice kind of link with that as well. I always, I like, I felt, like, recording my, my EP that I was, like, oh, like, I'm just so used to, like, Josh's voice being the dominant one yeah. and me just, like, kind of being this like thing in the like that kind of I don't know like um yeah. I don't know how to put it into words it's but... uh, so that's why I was like hesitant to ask about it because it's for you doing music I guess he w- had done his music first yeah so and, and he's older so it's yeah it's, I feel like I've always like I've always learned to talk after him learned to walk after yeah, him yeah. it's like and it's and I think I had some real doubts about going into music because I was like am I just doing this because I'm mm. I'm kind of like mirroring what my brother does and like I think I was always so fond of him when I was younger I used to like save all my sweets and give them to Aww. him <laughs> and like um <laughs> like yeah it's like it's been a real like kind of kind of detached like trying sure, to yeah. kind of be true to what I'm doing um and but I I think it's also the way we're going about it it differs like slightly as well like um although he did kind of start off doing a lot of living rooms and I think that's how he's kind of worked up a really huge fan base it's interesting that that that's how you get yeah with that intimacy because then you don't then you've got more of a connection with someone you feel more connected to someone mm. if you feel that close to them I guess that that makes a lot of sense yeah but I I love I love the idea of like just like siblings being in a band I just think that's really kind of cool and <laughs> and uh and I I don't know there's like there's famous siblings in bands and stuff and like um but sometimes you can't even tell like uh two of the members of Radiohead are brothers like uh. and like yeah and like not many people know that but unless you just you look at their names and go oh yeah of course they are because like they've got, <laughs> got the sec- same second name like oh yeah I, I might actually be wrong they might be cousins or something but like um yeah um but yeah I find that that's quite interesting and uh oh yeah another person that i've had have you do you know alad rion yeah so i picked him for the first ever so far uh, i ran (laughs) and that and yeah he's perfect personnel so far because like he's so he can bring that like i it's odd seeing him on a bigger stage but he's got a band now so it's like he can't do that i think i think that i think that's probably why he got a band was because he realized that to be on bigger stages you need to kind of have I don't know because he was so intimate with his music that if he had a bigger band, it could kind of be more uh, ex- extravagant. But uh, when I had him on the podcast, I was like, 
am I going to mention his really famous brother? And I just didn't. I just didn't end up doing it because. Like, <laughs> so do you know Alex's brother? I don't know. Alex's brother's Iwan Rion, who is uh, an actor, oh. and he was like in this show called Misfits, and then he's in Game of Thrones. Oh, okay. So like, I I wonder like I just like I think he's probably sick of hearing about. His I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I'm 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 placing ideas in people's head, but it's like I'm sure he isn't. I'm just, it's but it's funny that um I get and it's funny that Alex um is a musician and then Yuan actually did some music and then kind of went back to acting and stuff. So, oh, okay. so that's interesting. And then, so the kind of way I wrap these podcasts up, because we've almost been talking for two hours now. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's great. I love, I love that. Cause it just means I haven't been shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's been a really interesting conversation. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad I usually you am terrified talking in front of a microphone or like knowing what to say. And it was felt really. Yeah. And I think and that's what I try and do because it's like, I think talking on like having interviews and stuff, like I've had my fair share of interviews this year and they can seem very formulaic and like back and forth and, so I try not to do that and I mm. and as much as I hate the, the editing the sound of my own voice sometimes it's kind of it helps to hear uh, like me talk for a long time rather than just being like the the fence well I don't know how the fence the the kind of the person just like putting questions on you yeah. like to have that back and forth it's much more relaxing and I don't know if it's I guess people still listen to this so it's because it's got to people can't hate me that much so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i kind of finished up by asking another two questions um and the first uh question i ask is uh what have you been listening to recently that you've been really enjoying or uh and it like or had on repeat or something and it doesn't have to be something that's come out recently it's just be something you've been listening to a lot lately if you have been listening to anything lately because you say you don't listen to music yeah um like I've just been in a bit of a writing I've been writing a lot recently so I haven't really listened to anything it's like been a little bit of a window where I just don't listen to music so you you don't find that listening to other music can kind of motivates that writing side of you definitely and I think having listened to different music is like influences everything that I write really you first kind of learn from like imitating and like listening to other stuff before you like then find something that's true to you um but yeah I I yeah always seem to go through like little dips where I just don't listen to anything and then I'm like, oh wait, like music exists. <laughs> I can listen to this. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, and uh, I think you saying, oh, maybe I should start listening to music to wake myself up. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like for me, there will be like phases where I'm like, oh, I don't really want to listen to music. I kind of, but that's very. I don't know. I don't know if it's rare. It's just like, I find I find a lot of the time it kind of it cleanses my palate mm. in a sense, like because you go, you go. I've listened to something like this for so long I'm going to something else just like get myself out of that kind mm. of mindset and that's that's what I quite enjoy doing but I guess when you are writing quite a lot if you listen to something else you can kind of have that that the fear of oh this isn't that good I don't know maybe uh, I think I it's placing no, ideas or? um no definitely like and I do and and I guess maybe that's that's a lot of it as part of it is like not comparing myself just giving myself that breathing space to not uh, compare it or and also not to imitate so to really yeah. like zone out and find what what 
kind of give myself that space and to to work out what I want to say instead of being like, oh, I really like this from this piece yeah. of music. Let's do, like incorporate that into my song. I think you can kind of if as when you zone out of of that music, you start writing something and you go, oh, this sounds like this. Yeah. But when you don't, when you don't listen to music for a while, maybe you can do that. And then I don't know, it's, and it's you kind of don't have that um, thing of oh, this is too much like so and so. Yeah. You, you just like so you lose that self-consciousness. So I guess that's a good idea. It doesn't answer my question. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, it's all right. What was that your question? Is, uh, what you've been listening to recently. That that's enjoying, recently. But, but like, um, it's fine. Actually, on the, on the drive down from, uh, from Machancliff, the first gig that I did, um, I was listening to Joni Mitchell all the way, all the way to Cardiff. That's cool. That's yeah. Absurd. And then before that, I was, I was doing like a belly dance class, so listening oh, to yeah. to lots of music that wasn't actually what I would usually listen to, but it was like, yeah, it I saw was. That. There was something you said about it. I think it was like a tiny little girl dancing or something, yeah. and then it's yeah, my my belly dance teacher always says that like movement is so natural to our bodies, but actually we're made to stop. Uh, we we stop dancing because it's culturally like um, thought of as being wrong or like if you're dancing you're doing it because you want attention and actually like you, it, that restricts you, your movement. Yeah. Whereas yeah, she explains it way more no, that, that, eloquently than that, I do. That makes but... sense. And like um, <laughs> I was talking to someone yesterday who was uh, who was a dance teacher or like has done dancing in the past, and I think they were like saying about how they used to dance like that was their first musical memory it was like them them oh they're watching um thriller by michael jackson and they like mm. being interested in the dancing and that was like i was like really interested in dance i went to dance school for eight years mm. and no i yeah and um i think yeah dancing is such a it's funny because for me i i for for a while i was like i don't understand why people can't dance like <laughs> Like people like watch people and they stay, they're really bad at dancing and I'm like but it's because of what you said because people are so like a lot of people are told oh that's mm. you're giving yourself attention if you're dancing so they kind of a lot of people make fun of it I don't know maybe it's maybe it's just like a British thing but a lot of people make fun of dancing and they like yeah. like refer to dad dancing and stuff <laughs> yeah. and it's like but when I dance it's like I love dancing because it you it's coming back to this like losing yourself mm. thing and like I actually did feel that quite a few times at Pimtown where it's <laughs> like I was just dancing I was just dancing because that was what my body wanted to do yeah. and like the fact you can do that and I'm not embarrassed by it and it's mm. because it's so natural Yeah, and I, I was like I don't understand why people don't want to dance like. yeah and what she says is she doesn't teach you how to dance she awakens your natural ability to yeah, or your body already knows how to dance. I mean, because uh, I think yeah, your body yeah exactly. And even if you're, you don't exactly understand how or how to do it, or you don't, you haven't had like experience in doing it. Like you know, there's I I say I went to dance school for eight years, but I still don't understand like dance notation or stuff like that, or like like specific practices. Like I understand the structures of some dance and how to do some dances, but mm. a lot of the times it just comes down to feeling yeah it's intuitive and explorative <laughs> i think people when you have dance school and stuff like it's people putting rules around dancing mm. or is there is no rules to dance yeah. like um just as just as i guess there's no rules to singing and like what you said about like about chords and stuff and like mm. how 
you can put chords together and they can make sense, but they don't actually have to be like how you're taught. They, they mm. make sense. And yeah. then, so the final question I ask um, in this uh, is, it's a, it's a question I keep going back and forth on whether I will even bother asking it anymore because people never can come up with a great answer. <laughs> oh, no. But originally it was, um, what's your favourite record of all time? And everyone like goes, oh, I can't answer that because it's too difficult. And then, uh, so I changed it to what either what record had the most impact on your life or had the most influence on your music. If there is such a record, because again, people can't come up with it all the time. I think like full, like album wise, I think it'd probably be like Joni Mitchell's Blue. Like, I think it was the first one where like I had a lot of like, male musician friends and it took me a long time to like kind of be like no like I can do this like just because it's not as common like women women in the music industry isn't as common doesn't mean that like there's not a a place for it or like a, a and in fact like maybe even more of like need of like a, a voice for it. it was kind of like we were talking in my singing course recently about how like the media is all like american and in, like yeah uh, accents and yeah. you don't have the that then makes your accent feel like it's not valued or like not represented and it's kind of the same thing with with um gender as well your question was actually about the album, <laughs> the no, no, album. That, that makes it no that that but, that that album having you realizing that there is that you know that the female voice out there and that having an impact on you and you yeah realizing that you and can... I think what you were like what you were talking about about Joni Mitchell as a person as well like the fact that she didn't care about like what other people were doing and just kind of focused on what was true to her and actually created like some really like like incredible stuff as a result of that and I guess that's kind of been a huge inspiration Mm. and and like yeah just recently just a lot of decisions I've had to make as part of the tour like I've had to like I've made decisions and then been like oh that doesn't sit right with me and then have to like kind of be like oh no ethically this is like more right to me yeah like and had to sort of change things around and 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 I've had a lot of musician friends and other people that have been like, like people that really care about me that have been like, no, no, you have to do what's right by you first. And yeah, then I've been yeah. like, actually, like, but what's right by me isn't finding the best solution for me. It's actually making it like a more like cooperative, like caring environment because that's not strictly true of the music industry at all really yeah and i i completely understand that like and but it is it is in the sense about you because you're not going to feel comfortable Mm. playing in that environment unless you feel like everyone's being treated fairly Mm. that makes total sense like no and you're right and the music industry isn't very (laughs) fair like and you're and about representation like that element you know is there's this whole every time like festival lineups come out they do this thing where they remove all the male like all the male only bands <laughs> and there's so few female bands mm. and like have you heard of the world is listening they do a podcast on that all right okay that's cool i think i may maybe vaguely saw that but it's it's interesting for me because my my very favorite artists are male but that doesn't mean i enjoy 
don't enjoy female musicians because I love female musicians. Like, and it's not because they offer an alternative perspective, because I feel like that is a complete fallacy that they. I mean, yes, like um, men don't experience the same thing women do in certain aspects, but we all have the same like world around us. And mm, but um, I think culturally, you're like. You you grow up as a man to be taught that you you're not allowed to cry or you're like, yeah oh yeah so I think culturally there's like that even though it's I, I totally stand by what you say like culturally you're kind of pigeonholed into yeah oh definitely but these... yeah and I think you know we we get taught and you know as much as I can be a feminist and much as I can um you know dislike how a lot of men are like I still catch myself being not 100% like good to women and it's like I feel really like uncomfortable talking about that but it's like it's true because we you're right we are brought up in a in a world where I mean I my parents were fantastic with it um a lot of people I grew up around were fantastic with it but the vast majority of people would would be would put you down if you did display any feminine in inverted quotes like mm-hmm. uh characteristics and yeah and i but i i hate well, obviously i hate that and it's like when i listen to male musicians versus female musicians i don't have that differentiation like i can't see that like it's but i i don't know it's, sometimes it's good to to have that dif- like understand that differentiation but like with music especially i don't feel that way mm, which, I, I think that's yeah sorry carry on I mean but obviously if the, if the music is about specifically um female things then I definitely kind of understand that like there are some amazing like pieces of music that are about that but a lot of the time I listen to different artists and I kind of just relate to it because it's music mm, I think that's such a valid point and actually something that kind of like pissed me off about the the uh, women in music panel that they had to amplify which was like it kind of just felt like they were kind of like ticking off the box so yeah. I was like why are we talking about women in music why is there not something on men in music if you're gonna split it like that like like and I understand that they're underrepresented like underrepresented underrepresented and re- and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I guess like yeah it's interesting that I like I hear people that kind of prefer female voices or like um like i don't know that's but that's bizarre because like but female voices and male voices the only difference for me is octaves like Mm. because there's it's funny because there's a band called silver sun pickups and for the longest time i thought it was a female vocalist Mm. and it turned out to be a male vocalist yeah and it just made me think that there is no such thing as the female and male voice because it's just to do with octaves if you listen to an instrumental band like there is no way you can determine if those people are male or female Mm. and it's like you should treat unless the lyrical content is in a certain done in a certain way Mm. you should treat all music like that like and i just i hate that differentiation but also i think that it's bad that there is that kind of leaning towards male musicians that obviously is so apparent because there is that kind of encouragement for men to show off and that kind of discouragement for women Mm. and you know it's 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 incredible incredibly difficult issue and i feel uh inexperienced to talk about it as a man <laughs> i i feel like yeah you've just spoken about it way better than i could have which <laughs> makes me feel really 
bizarre as as a woman (laughs) (laughs) not being able to like yeah i think yeah you put it really I, i think it's it's a lot of it is just down to not it's not even a lot of it it's all down to perception Mm. and um i find it really frustrating when people can't look past that perception and just understand that it's music (laughs) that's all it is and um and it's and it it comes down to race as well and Mm. it comes down to sexuality like to color music with that kind of thing seems so awful like and it shouldn't be it shouldn't be there shouldn't be those divides like that because then you're just saying it's for one type of person or another which is so wrong about music because Mm. i relate to i mean we're talking about relating to lyrics in a certain way but i think that's just lyrics like and you can kind of ignore lyrics sometimes well i I say you can like sometimes i can hear terrible lyrics and (laughs) but um like you can just relate to music in a in a way that removes itself like either politically or you know about sexuality or about race or stuff like Mm. that you can remove yourself because it's just something you it's a base instinct to react to music Mm. and um yeah i think you know unfortunately i like music by some pretty horrible people which is really like sad it's like i I mean so yeah it's really disappointing when you kind of find out that something you enjoy is written Mm. by someone really horrible like i think one of those examples recently has been morrissey being really horrible and like right wing and like but i doesn't mean i enjoy the smiths any less like Mm. it's kind of i think it's interesting what you say about race in music because i think something that i definitely had growing up and i've i've kind of always felt is that i i've always loved the the sound of like black women's voices and that's always something that i felt like i'm like i've always wanted to sound like that but it's just like not not there well (laughs) i'm a little white girl yeah (laughs) but then that's comparison i guess and it's not accepting i mean if 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 you're if you're saying that like then one of my favorite things about jeff buckley Mm -hmm. is that he can like he was really into nina simone Mm. so he did nina simone covers and he was really into this guy called nusrat fateh ali khan who's a pakistani singer and he did a cover of that even though it's in urdu but he could do that because of his vocal range obviously but also because he didn't i guess he didn't feel like he was appropriating it and i think the idea that you can't sing like a a, a, a black woman i don't think I, I think you probably could if you tried <laughs> so, singing to, yeah, yeah yeah it's one thing to say i'm going to sing this song that's about race but if you sing from or sing from the perspective of a race that's that's problematic but when you Mm. sing like another thing i mean but even that i think is problematic in a way because you're then not being true to your own sound it's but then if you don't take those influences then Mm. you just end up with really stale music because you didn't you won't get scar you won't get reggae if you didn't have the influences from those countries like the i mean i talked about it on a previous podcast someone said that someone said to someone i was talking to on a podcast that they couldn't sing reggae because they were a white woman and it's like that's no of course not Mm. like the idea that you know because like the whole idea of white rap music as well like why is that that even a term like because surely there isn't a differentiation between like that's such a construct that there should be a differentiation between white rap and black rap like Mm. it's it's not 
there shouldn't be that diff- yes okay the content maybe uh the lyrical content may be affected by it but mm. i reckon the the influences you can because you've got so much access to different music now the influences aren't defined by sexuality or race or gender or things mm. like that and i think that's really important to know and i think as soon as you can i what i find really frustrating as well is when you compare two artists because of those things yeah they're so not you, categories you can't like yeah like we're all human like that the root of that isn't like that's kind of what music brings together is that but if i really hate when people say a band is similar to another band because there's a woman singing mm. in it. it's like that's got nothing to do with it yeah like if they they can sound completely different as well i'm just like well that's not that's not how what i don't understand like you can't yeah. you can't say one artist is similar to another because you yeah, you wouldn't say that you wouldn't say one artist is similar to another because they've got a black bassist like that's like that's complete that's <laughs> bullshit isn't it so you can't say a one band is like another band because it's got a female singer in it it's like I, I, just, I just don't I can't see that connection anymore and I I don't know maybe people will tell me I'm wrong but I, that's my opinion no yeah <laughs> I think that you know I think that sums it up quite <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah it was yeah really Intense. interesting yeah okay, no but you. like delving into yeah but th- thanks for joining me in and I know you're must be exhausted from this no thank you so much for having me on your birthday that's fine Uh, it's a pretty good thing to do on my birthday i feel like i've done something worthwhile on my birthday and now i'm just tomorrow night it's gonna get really drunk and that's gonna be the the, and the antithesis to this um well i also feel rejuvenated after my course it was was an intense conversation as well but one that kind of brought me a little bit more to life okay cool <laughs> i don't you, know how or are why you, are you gonna play a song <laughs> cool okay well record will set up thanks very much and here's riptide by anya savage Others, when will grief pass me by? 
of another I run for cover Like the rising humiliation I won't feel this foolish pain Let the turbulent waves Pull me under Like the plastic out at sea Out of mind Caught in a reptile In my bloodstream, it plagues me all the same. me. So that was Riptide. That's uh, you can also see that as a video on the Facebook or via YouTube. And yeah, I kind of, it's one of those songs that I, you know, I, I've never heard before and was so surprised by how, I, I put my journalist hat on now and say delicately beautiful, or no, not even delicately, like delicate, but powerful. And the kind of the way it shifts between the two states is kind of something that Anya does quite well and why I really am interested in her music. Like I said, Earthquakes has kind of quite had a hold on me that song and uh it's just it's just beautiful and the way it's, it was arranged and like Anya said it took them a while in the studio to get to that point but I'm glad they spent so much time on it because it is just an amazing amazing track and you should go check out that video as well for some context um Anya had finished that tour the behind the screens tour but she is actually playing in Cardiff next week as this happens um so next Wednesday she'll be playing at Goody Who as part of the um Folk and the Owl's Nest night which is something that's happened for years now as I remember like I think it's even happened before I started going to gigs as an adult which is kind of quite an amazing thing uh so yeah she's headlining that and you can so that'll be at Goody Who next Wednesday the 7th of February so definitely check that out if you're interested in what she had to say in this podcast and her music her ep is out on Bandcamp, and uh you can still on spotify and watch that video for earthquakes because it's it's just great it's kind of simple and complex at the same time it's a bit it's just as a someone who's made music videos i can't even begin to imagine how they did it so that's something that i really enjoy about it and it matches up with the song so beautifully and if you do go to that show i'll see you there because i'm definitely not missing the opportunity to see her play a whole set next week's podcast is kind of catching up on ourselves now because i recorded this one a couple of weeks ago it's with nick cotton who's also known as f block uh he dj's in the moon and has kind of had quite a rich history of djing and and appreciating music and is someone who is quite vocal online about his passion for music and it's gotten in a bit of trouble for it but i think that's kind of it makes it all the more important so yeah you can check that out next week anything else to talk about i guess if you're listening to this somehow on the night of the 31st january uh and have gotten to the end of the podcast if it's before midnight you can still nominate for the cardiff music awards if not if if, if you're any time past that it's closed uh you'll have to wait till the 15th of february to be able to vote on the shortlist so i'm sure unless you're incredibly dedicated to this podcast which thank you um you will be listening to it after that time uh and i will be 
then mining through the thousands of nominations we've received to pick out uh, some shortlisted acts in each category. So that'll be fun for me. Yeah, really excited about the Music Awards. Uh, we've announced the entire lineup as well for the night, which is on Thursday, the 29th of March. And it's going to be in Tramshed, which I'm so happy it's back there again because it was so great last year. And playing, we've got uh, Rainbow Maniac, HMS Morris, Afro Cluster, and we've also got a DJ set from Girl Talk. And yeah, like, why not go? Why not go? It's £15. You can get tickets from the website, uk. It's half the price that it was last year. So, like, why not? It's £15 to see three amazing bands and to DJ set, and to see everyone you would see ever in the Cardiff music scene. I think that's one of the things people took away from it the most last year, was just being able to be in a room with that many interesting people from the scene. It's kind of like listening to one of my podcasts, but like on a on a whole other level. Shut up. <laughs> right, okay. That's enough from me. Um, I will see you next week with Nick Con. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>